Hello and welcome back to The Aftertime, an NBA gambling podcast hosted by two professional gambling brothers. I'm your host Ronan McGarry, joined by my brother Ryan. Well, what is happening? What a jingle that was, Ryan. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was the pride of my week, was uh, on Audacity, pretending I'm a music producer, DJ, making that 30 seconds. It actually took me a lot of efforts to get that completely right. I think the, the one thing I really wanted to get was a good jingle, a good opening jingle. Sounds a bit more professional. Oh, uh, pumps you up too. Yeah, we did listen to it. 10 times before we started recording. <laughs> we did. So, quick thanks to everybody who helped share the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, social medias. Uh, we had a really good response for our first week. Didn't think it would go down that well, but we had people, honestly had people stopping us in the street saying how much they enjoyed it. People who don't even listen to podcasts, don't like basketball, just give it a listen, give it a share. And yeah, the response has been great, hasn't it? Yeah, I think people, part of it is just like, well, I mean, like people like to support their friends or people they know but also uh just hearing people from from belfast speak might be different for some people you know like all your podcasts are always american or about true crime or you know that's what most people listen to so yeah hopefully something different yeah we also had someone tell us we sounded very professional which was a surprise yeah we were worried we sound too similar so it would sound like a schizophrenic person talking in the film <laughs> we were going to get ryan to change his accent but we decided just to, to roll with the yeah yeah we'll be all right oh, well, we'll be fine quickly when this episode comes out we will have an instagram page and we already have a twitter page so if you can, please follow the Instagram page at The Aftertime Podcast and the Twitter page is the same thing. Just search The Aftertime on Twitter, you should find us. So, quick rundown this week. We're going to recap the week's NBA action, of which there was plenty. Then we're going to, because it's All-Star break, we're going to take a bit of a step back and discuss awards. It's actually a strange All-Star break this year. It's a bit closer to the end of the season than usual. Normally there's around 30 games left, but at the minute there's only maybe 24, 23. 23. Yeah. 23 yeah. So we're going to recap the award season because it's getting quite interesting with most of the awards there's a lot to talk about with MVP most improved yeah player of the year and um, I feel like depending on the year there can be a lot of value or not a lot of value like as you start to come towards the end of the season uh, based on the odds you're left with and just if they're standout performers but a couple of really interesting ones um, in some of the markets so we'll have to we'll do a good deep dive on that yeah yeah and it is All-Star break, so we are going to touch on All-Star break. Ryan loves the All-Star break. I don't love the All-Star break, but he has some interesting bets picked out for the competitions and awards. And Yeah, it'll be something to You're keep. such a bore. I don't know. Yeah. It's fun. Enough. Yeah, it's well, fun. for you. Yeah. Following that, we're going to finish on a bit of story time soon. Obviously, not everybody knows very many professional gamblers, so you don't really get a look into our lives or what we work with every day, working with bookmakers, working with behind-the-scenes information, that sort of thing. So... We've got a story for you. This is going to be a recurring theme on the pod. We'll maybe tell a story or two at the end of every podcast. So we've got an interesting story this week about someone who hacked into my betting account. And you'll, you'll hear all, all about it if you listen to the end. So let's get stuck into this week's NBA action round. Last night, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Milwaukee Bucks 123-120 in a battle of the MVP candidates between Giannis and Joel Embiid. This was an interesting result because of our first ever tweet this week yeah, yeah you put a scud on us I put a scud on us yeah. yeah so we started our social medias this week and obviously last week to whoever listened we tipped the Boston Celtics to win the Atlantic Division at 7-1 so of course then I tweeted after they beat the Sixers by 50 which was a massive result they beat the Sixers by 50 midweek I tweeted huge win for the Celtics Atlantic Division bet as tipped on our first pod into 3-1 from 7-1 and looking like the best team in the East right now then the Celtics lost to the worst team in the league, yeah, Pistons, the, the, next, peel game. the next night. And then the Sixers went and beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. So, so the lesson is, don't ever tweet. Yeah, I, I learned my lesson pretty quick. I was a bit of a brag. Do you know, I wanted to look look like we knew what we were talking about. And <laughs> then the Celtics lost. Yeah, to it the came back team. to bite you. Yeah, so big win last night for the Sixers. Yeah, it was a great game. Um down the stretch, kind of actually disappointing on the from the box end at the towards the or uh, yeah towards the final sort of three minutes, but it really was a battle between Giannis and Embiid, just two complete monsters, just both ends of the floor. Giannis had a great block on Embiid, I think in the third quarter, just toe to toe. I think both had thirty plus point games. Embiid had forty two. Forty two, yeah, and he's incorporated the. I know he has done it before, so it's not just Harden. But did you see the the Harden sort of the step back? Three? Yeah, the step yeah. back that he got called. Anyone who didn't see Harden um, has this the signature step back where it looks like a travel. Sometimes, sometimes it is a travel, and he gets just so much separation stepping back from the defender and shooting. 
and Embiid, there's a video of Embiid and Harden uh, like sort of working on it and training, just laughing away as Embiid just took like 10 steps backward and then shot. Tried it in a match, got called for a travel and then was pulling it off last night, mid-range three over Ibaka. It was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw him get called for the travel against the Celtics. So it's such a weird swing. The Sixers can lose by 50 at home to the Celtics and we look like geniuses. Well, then, I mean, you do. I was the one that called the Celtics an easy out in the first round of the playoffs, and then they beat true. one of the now contenders by fifty points. And so. then they lose to the yeah, yeah. So it's and obviously bad on a fair living. Yeah, and obviously the Sixers did this without James Harden, so yeah. they think he will be back in the lineup after the All Star break. Do you think he'll fit in quite quickly, or do you think it'll take some time? Quickly, I think he's smart enough. Like we we talked about him and Embiid and their fit a lot last week, but he's smart enough. Embiid smart enough. Um, they both seem happy. I know it's honeymoon period can last a while, but all the news coming out of Philadelphia at the minute seems to be that players like him. He he's kind of already mentoring the young players. Like the NBA is just so dramatic. It always you know he was he organizing card games on the plane with him and all. But you know that's all that is good. You know, that's, you want to hear that rather than anything else. So, yeah, I think he'll, he'll slot in pretty quick. Okay. Quickly, to touch on the Atlantic division that we were talking about last week and earlier today, the Celtics do play the Nets twice in the first week back after All-Star, which is huge because at the minute in the Atlantic division, the Sixers lead by one game over the Celtics. Yeah. But the division, the way the, the way the divisions work, if you finish tied on the same amount of wins at the end of the year, it goes to head-to-head record, which mm-hmm. at the minute is two each between the Celtics and the Sixers, and after that it goes to division record. At the minute, the Sixers are four and seven in the division, and the Celtics are seven and six. So the Celtics have a three-game division lead. So if the Celtics get to nine wins, the Sixers can't catch the Celtics. So that requires them just, if they win so both the Celtics games. Yeah, if the Celtics win both Nets games in the first two weeks after first ten days after All Star, they will wrap up the tiebreaker over the Sixers. Now, will Kevin Durant be back or not? We don't know. The Nets have lost nine of their last 10 games 10 of their last 11 games so are they home games for the Nets one is home one's away so no Kyrie for one yeah Kyrie can play in Boston although the word seems to be that the potential for the mandate change in New York now yeah that would there's a the mayor in New York uh, was kicking up a bit of fuss about it because he was saying it's illogical that visiting teams can have unvaxxed players while home teams can't have vaxxed players or sorry unvaxxed players which uh, I mean, he's right, and he's totally fair, right. And it seems that uh, well, I mean, yeah, just get the vaccine, like. But um, it seems like they, you know, and this is like a worldwide sort of thing. People do seem to be relaxing a wee bit. So who knows about that? Could could we see more Kyrie? But could see a lot more Kyrie over the last twenty two games or so. The Nets probably need him to be fair. God, they've been awful. Given it might take another couple of weeks for Ben Simmons to yeah be ready. Yeah, don't really know about that. Or like when it's be too back. hard to say. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to the Central Division then, we did tip the Cavaliers at fours last week. More or less, we thought we'd be taking on the Bucks, which they were the, the betting favourite, and the Bucks have now drifted out the evens after losing last night. Problem is, the Cavs lost two games since the last podcast and won one, yeah. which is a shame. But they were both road games against the Sixers and the Hawks, which is... The Hawks one, we we, we, both, we had a bad feeling about that. We were talking about that off-air. And uh, just always wanted to say that. And um, the... You know, we we kind of seen it as a potential slip up game for them. I think, like, it's a weird thing to say, but they are really missing Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, they're missing the spacing. Yeah, but I mean, they're the same odds they were. They haven't moved out too much. The Bulls have came in two point nine now for the for the division, and again, still back to that strength of schedule. Milwaukee hardest schedule remaining in the league. Chicago second hardest. So like, you can't really ask for much more in terms of Cleveland have the eighth easiest. Yeah. remaining so like the numbers are still there it's still pointing that way it's not really going to change because there's so little games left so just have to and standing wise the Cavs are ahead of the Bucks. the Cavs are on yeah. 35 wins the Bucks are on 36 but the Cavs have lost one less game so they are ahead percentage wise they're, they're second in the division right now the Bucks are third it's the Bulls who are, who are yeah, the and you're and you're going up against a man who like it is very very rare that someone breaks a Will Chamberlain record like that's something that you should like as as much if you or if you like the person or dislike the person, DeRozan breaking Will Chamberlain's record for thirty five plus point games at over better than fifty percent field goal percentage is ridiculous because the only Wilt one that's not gonna get broken is probably the hundred point game, right? So, but like the fact that he broke a Will Chamberlain record is impressive, and he just doesn't like the Bulls just seem to not be able to lose at the minute. So hopefully, I don't know they still have injuries. The guys are due back, not for a Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. We're ruled out for six to eight weeks around the twentieth of January, okay. so it will 
middle of March maybe, although there was good news about Caruso's wrist. He's back shooting already. Okay. So they think he could come back quicker than Ball. Good, bad news. Yeah, well, bad news for us. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the annoying thing about the Bulls' injuries is their injuries all came when they had their easiest stretch schedule-wise in the season. So they were missing Zach Levine, they were missing Lonzo Ball, they were missing Alex Caruso, they were missing Pat Williams, but they were still able to win quite a lot of games because DeMar DeRozan looks amazing, looks yeah. unstoppable right now. Now, their schedule does get very difficult after the All-Star break, but it does look like they're going to get most of their starting five back, which is bad for us, good for them. It's just the way the the season has the schedule has fallen and the injuries have fallen. It just seems like a bit of bad luck for Cavs backer. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And Vucevic is playing a wee bit better now as well. He sort of stepped up, and like I would assume that the the Bulls just seem to have pulled people that you know needed to perform, like Kobe White, and they and they are performing. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, at some point you just have to hold your hands up about uh, stuff like the Rosens, the Terry's on right now, but. You know, numbers still in our favour in terms of schedule strength, uh, remaining schedule strength. and So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, Cavs backers don't give up hope yet. Yeah. The the schedules do look quite appealing for us. Yeah. There's still more than 20 games left. There's a lot of the season to go. So I wouldn't give up hope. Plus there's a few head-to-head games in there. I think the Cavs have to play the Bulls twice, which will be huge. Yeah. And, and then the Cavs the, have to play the Bucks at home the last final game, game of the season. season. So yeah, yeah. who knows what teams can be doing. Around then it gets funny when teams, some teams maybe lose on purpose to try and game their their playoff seeding. Might happen this year, might not. Sometimes it falls in your favour. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Moving on then to MVP discussion. The big one. The big one. The MVP this year, I think, is the closest it's been at this stage of the season in a long time since I can remember anyway. Yeah. I like, remember there were some James Harden versus Giannis debates, but the the odds were always in Giannis's favour. Yeah, did Harden not go into favourite? Um, the first year, like maybe there 20. was when he went on that ter- uh, scoring streak run where he was it was over Christmas and he I think he scored like he was averaging like forty something a game. Yeah. It was ridiculous, but like that was a that was very much a lightning in a bottle. I mean, it, he had a great season, but that moment in particular, you know, it didn't last too long, and then Giannis just sort of came back and dominated. But not only in terms of the odds being so close, but literally sometimes like the odds being close is a good or bad thing for us because we you know you think they're wrong, but here. I might think the odds are slightly wrong in some places, but the numbers are it's so ridiculously close. It's hard to tell who, who should be the MVP, and I suppose that's what yeah, we should talk about. So I want you to rank your top three, and then we'll dive into it. So if you had a vote for MVP right now, what does your top three look like? Okay, I'm going to come back and change that slightly, because I'm going to tell you what it was before I sort of did a bit more of a deep dive before we did this podcast, and then I'm going to tell you what it is after that. Okay. So before that... If you were just asking me on the spot, one, two, three, yesterday I would have said Embiid, Jokic, Giannis. That would have been my three. Okay. After doing some diving into the uh, the numbers and looking a bit deeper into it, it's Jokic, Embiid, Giannis. So I have Jokic as my number one. Okay. I am the exact same. Yeah? Yeah. And I actually really like his odds right now. Embiid had a great game last night and his odds shortened. He's into 2.5 now. I think he was a bit higher, maybe 2.8 before yesterday. Yeah, he had a great game and a great win against the Bucks, so it's understandable that he came in. Yeah, which give us a bit more value on Jokic. You can get Jokic at 3-1 to one at Paddy Parr and William Hill, which I think is amazing. Honestly, yeah. Like So I suppose before even diving into the, the whole numbers and you know getting actually into the nitty-gritty, you have to talk about, like again, MVP and awards. So this isn't the who's the best player because like yeah it is but really it's who do these voters think is the best player and what do these voters um actually look for and you know it's best player on the best team has been the phrase people have used for so long but it's starting to almost go away from that a wee bit now because you get teams like the Suns who top of the west but no standout one star they're all great players and teams like the Bulls in the east and the heat are the same thing so you have to look at a lot of things so you know even if a team is or a player plays for a team that's like fifth sixth seed it might not matter as much i mean westbrook was really the first one to do that well westbrook changed everything yeah with the and he shouldn't have won mvp that year i don't think but he did change the narrative from best player best team to if you can average eye popping stats yeah and your team is maybe overperforming relative to what they should have done which is the nuggets certainly are doing this year given their injuries the opportunity to win mvp outside a top three seed is probably there again yeah for Jokic yeah oh, I, I think this year it, it's 100% there because if you look at the look at the uh, the west and the east right so you've got 
the top of the East at the minute is the Heat and the Bulls. So they, I mean, the Heat have Butler, who would be their standout star, but they, they, they're more of a team, sort of, as opposed to, you know, the one star. Uh, the Bulls are the, the exact same. DeRozan is their standout star, but Levine's not too far behind him. And Vucevic is, well, all three all-stars. And then you've got, in the West, the Suns and the Warriors are the top two. And they have, I mean, the, the Warriors obviously have Curry. I just don't think there's any value in Curry. Uh, his shooting slump has been ridiculous, the worst shooting slump of his career. So I, I, I don't think he's, anyone's going to pick him. And the Suns, like I already mentioned. So I think that leaves a bit of room for the team position and not really mattering as much. And also, if you actually look at it, the teams, the team records are really similar at the minute. And the Nuggets have the easiest schedule remaining. So, you know, depending on that, like people people will turn around and look and say, right, the Sixers at the minute have the best record out of the three teams. So that would, you know, that would tend make you lead towards Embiid. But if you look at what the Sixers are currently 35 and 23, the Bucks are thirty six and twenty four, so they're right there with them. And the Nuggets are thirty three and twenty five, so they're not that far behind and have an easier schedule as well. So by the end of the season, the team records could look a lot. The Nuggets could be almost have a better record. Yeah, and like you said, the, the record shouldn't matter as much this year because someone's going to win the MVP outside the top four teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So does it matter a couple of wins here or there? Probably not. But let's give Jokic his credit here. I have a couple of notes written down about the season he's having, which is. Once you, I was the exact same as you. I never really considered the fact that he could win before now. And I'll hold my hands up. I'm on. I backed Giannis. I think at eight to one, Embiid at seven to one. And after looking into this and listening to a couple of podcasts around it, I think I've completely changed my mind on it. And I have now backed Jokic at four, at three to one. Yeah. Because he you can't lose if you just back everyone. If you back everyone, you can't lose <laughs> exactly. But I mean, if either one of those three wins, I will make money now, which is nice. Yeah. And one of those three is going to win. But sometimes it's like you like to come out a bit better on one selection if you're backing a couple of different horses in a race and I think I'm going to move towards Jokic being my my main pick so this year Jokic is averaging 26 points a game 14 rebounds a game and 8 assists per game no other player has ever had a 25, 12 and 6 season so he's blowing that out of the water Yeah, he's also on course to have the highest PER rating ever which is player efficiency rating which is kind of like a mix of most of the main stats you know your points, rebounds assists, steals, blocks He's done this with Aaron Gordon as his second best player because Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray have missed the entire season. There's yeah. also talk of Jamal Murray coming back pretty soon, which, again, could help Jokic with a couple more wins. He leads all the other candidates in every advanced stats. Volume over replacement player, box score plus minus, win shares. He's having the best advanced stats season in NBA history. So if you look at PER, like I mentioned earlier, he's going to have the highest PER ever. Giannis set the record. For highest PER in 2020, he broke Will Chamberlain's record. Remember you spoke about Will Chamberlain records? Giannis broke Will Chamberlain's record in 2020. This He set a PER of 31.86. This year, Jokic is on course for 32.57. So he's going to blow that record out of the water. Not only PER, box plus minus, which is an interesting stat. It's a measure of how many points per 100 possessions does Jokic contribute to his team over an average player in the league. So this year, Jokic is averaging... 14.02 box plus minus so the Nuggets are 14.02 points better per 100 possessions with Jokic on the floor over an average player now if he finishes the season on that score he will break LeBron James all time BPM record of 13.24 which he set in 2009 when he was at his peak yeah. so he's gonna set all sorts of advanced stats record he's literally having he might be having the best NBA season ever and he's the second favourite for MVP. Yeah, I agree with everything. I'm just laughing at you saying uh, LeBron in 2009 at his peak. And it's like, LeBron's peak was in 2009 and it's also in 2023. <laughs> yeah, he's like, had a 20-year peak. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, like as much of a... Not... I would never call myself a LeBron hater, but like as much as he's not my favourite player in the league, at some point I have to give him his dues. Like, but yeah, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting beside the point. Yeah. yeah. So Jokic, agree basically on everything you said. Like, Jokic has the worst supporting cast out of the three. Okay, so... Um, by a mile by by yeah it, they would be a lottery team without Jokic they would be no yeah, way God, the yeah, they would be no way the playoffs they would great. be a lottery team they're not great I mean Jokic has the worst supporting cast Embiid has the second worst now different because he's got Harden but he hasn't played with him yet but up until this like this point in the season Embiid's I mean Giannis clearly has the best he's got two all-stars with him and they are a great team Giannis, they've surrounded Giannis with a great team so that does weigh against them you know if you're if you're if because this is so tight, you have to kind of find your edges, or you have to find like your your hills to die on, you know. So Giannis has the best team around him, and uh, Jokic has the worst, so that would lead me towards him. 
sort of taking like a bird's eye view. Yeah, Jokic this year compared to last year, he's got a lot. He's better than his MVP year last year. He's improved a lot on defense. Do you know game? He's had two, I think, this season, like a game winning blocks basically on more or less on the buzzer. Giannis has got better shooting. His free throw percentage has gone up. He's he is a better free throw shooter. And Embiid just all around is just improving. He is like he. They're all monsters. This isn't like bringing up one doesn't put down any others. They're all amazing. But just to kind of a wee tangent on uh, Jokic that I find and that I'm actually really interested in. So on Twitter, a, a person called Letting Go or at Provide Context was uh, he seems to be a big LeBron fan and he was going on this tirade about. Uh, how LeBron scores more points than anyone without free throws if you take free throws away or give everyone in the league an average amount of free throws. So here's some uh, some interesting stats. I'll give you his because he compared Embiid and Giannis to LeBron and then I added Jokic in at the end. So Embiid has played 46 games. Out of those, 29 of those, he's had double-digit free throws. And 19 times he's shot more than 12 in a game. Giannis, 49 games. He's had 33 double-digit free throw games and 24 times he's shot more than 12 free throws. LeBron, 41 games, and he's had five double-digit free-throw games. So, what, like five times, six times less than the other ones. And he's only ever shot 12 free-throws once. Jokic has played 52 games, so the most out of all of them. He's had six double-digit free-throw games. So, Giannis has had 33. Jokic has had six. Jokic has had one game with twelve, more than 12 free-throws. He, his entire career, he's never got the whistle that he, need, that he should get in terms of uh, shooting free-throws. And... If you look at the total free throws attempted this year, Embiid's had 421, shot 81%. Giannis had 393, so you know not pretty Similar. pretty close. Yeah, at 72%. Jokic had 236. Jesus so Christ. Embiid has nearly shot double his free throws. If Jokic and Embiid shot the same amount of free throws per game, Jokic would average three more points per game, putting him on 29 points per game, which is the same as the other two. It's the only uh, you know standard stat that he is behind the other two in. So if he actually shot the same amount of free throws as Embiid, I know that's a kind of, you know, you can nitpick this and say, well, Embiid plays a game to draw free throws and all that sort of stuff, but whatever, like, just if you were to average it out or to, you know, put them all on par, Jokic would literally score the same, the same amount, amount of points. Of points yeah. yeah. So in that hypothetical, Jokic compared to the other two would have the same points per game and better field goal percentage, three-point percentage, two-point effect- effective field goal percentage, the same free throw percentage as Embiid, more rebounds, more assists, more steals, and be better in every single event stat. Plus his team has an easier schedule. This is why I got really excited earlier, and I really want to bet on him. So. Yeah, well, it's a it's a good point because he leads Giannis and Embiid in more or less every single stat except for points per game, every advanced stat, every shooting percentage, more or less. Yeah, he leads them. So the he's so fun to watch. Yeah, well, what what I came down to this parking Jokic for a second. If you compare Giannis and Embiid, this is why maybe there's an an, arg- an argument could be made for Embiid being a bit short in the odds. If you compare Giannis and Embiid, there is no real statistical argument for Embiid over Giannis. So the after last night, Giannis previously was the leading scorer in the NBA, but after last night, Embiid scored forty. Yeah, it's Embiid, kind of seesaw between it's, the two. It's, yeah, it's really close. They're more or less averaging the same amount of points per game and, and rebounds per game, so they're exactly the same. Giannis has more assists and leads Embiid in all the same advanced stats I mentioned earlier: value over replacement player, box plus minus, yeah. win shares. They both faced similar injuries with and COVID. Now, Embiid obviously had Ben Simmons missing all year, but Giannis did. They've also had yeah, some injury yeah. tr- uh, troubles. Oh, Giannis was out as well. Yeah, they've had similar. When you look at total games lost, they have had similar amount. Now, the Bucks currently have more wins than the Sixers. They're below in the standings, but they, because they've lost more games, but they have, they have one more win. Yeah. So, statistically speaking, Giannis has a better case than Embiid. Yeah. So. If you look at um, also, and we think just, Jokic has a better case than both, but yeah. Giannis has a better case than Embiid statistically. And who's a better defender? Giannis. Well, this is what I'm going to get onto. Giannis yeah. is in the top three odds for Defensive Player of the Year. Whether or not he will win it, I don't know. We'll, we'll get onto that when we talk Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a chance that voters are bored of Giannis. Yeah, voter fatigue is, is, is a real. real thing. Yeah. So I think there's a chance voters are bored of Giannis, and he might get a sympathy Defensive Player of the Year, given you've had a great season. You probably could have won MVP any other year. We'll maybe give you defensive player of the year. There's a chance that happens, but we'll talk about that when we get on the defensive player of the year. But what I'm just trying to say is, statistically speaking, Giannis has had a better season than Embiid, and I don't think he can debate it. Now, Embiid is the favourite, Jokic is second favourite, and I think Jokic has had a better statistical season than Giannis. Yeah. So, I think the value here... Therein lies the value, right? Yeah, I think the value here lies with Jokic. You can get him at 3-1. to one. I think the odds are the wrong way around with Jokic and Embiid. I think Jokic should be the favourite here and here's a couple of, yeah some icing on top as well is that Jokic historically misses less games than them all Embiid is historically you know uh, injury prone 
getting better. I don't know. There seems there's talk of like diet change and stuff like that. But he he is definitely missing less games than he used to. Yeah, playing more than he used to. But Jokic has played more games in them all. He will end up playing more games in them all, barring a freak injury that he doesn't seem to have. He's a he's a he's just a horse. Like he never he never stops. So and he's just so consistent. Like a, a good thing that I like about Jokic and that the chances are there's not enough games left for this to happen. But people go in slumps. You know they're all playing to such a high caliber. But like Embiid has the ability to go on not a slump as well he had a per game against the Celtics yeah he had yeah one bad game but like there, there is that opportunity it has happened before where he's gone on sort of uh, you know less than stellar sort of runs he's obviously getting hardened back so that that, that could help him um, in that way but Jokic doesn't he's so consistent like ridiculously consistent every time you look he's he's just 25 plus points you know, he, he literally just looks like he's hitting his averages all, you know, all the time yeah. it's like he averages it because he just only gets those stats you know what I mean yeah. he doesn't quickly, have quickly going back to the free throw numbers can you imagine how fucking insufferable the Sixers are going to be to watch when James Harden they're going to shoot 100 free throws a game when they draw the Celtics in the playoffs who are like a defensive team that series is going to be horrendous a fucking to watch. slog it's going to be a slog yeah it'll be like the battle of the bulge <laughs> yeah so to wrap it up then I have backed Nikola Jokic MVP at three to one with Paddy Power William Hill. That seems to be the best odds you can get at the minute. I think it's value. I think he should be the favorite. I think he has a good chance of winning. Now the problem is, Embiid has never won before. Jokic is the current MVP. We talked about voter fatigue earlier. It does exist, which it shouldn't, but it does exist. Voter fatigue exists, and which is shit. But Jokic won it last year, first time ever. Do you know it's kind of like how much fatigue can there be just from? one win do you know what I mean like, yeah well hopefully hopefully none but I think yeah. it's a possibility like I can't see him be winning put it th- yeah I was going to say put it this way like obviously you're going to you're bad on it so you will be annoyed but would you fault anyone for picking Embiid no no I wouldn't and the only thing that I find fault is so somewhere else to look uh, when you're betting on stuff like this during the year is uh, Tim Bontemps uh, their journalist does a straw poll of 100 voters so he basically runs his own version of what will be the NBA or the, the awards voting at the end of the year uh, he runs at the exact same. He scored has the point score in the same. Out of the people that he straw pulled, they had five voters out of the hundred left Jokic off their ballot, and there was a number of voters that left Giannis off their ballot as well. They should be put up against a wall. Le- shot. <laughs> like, honestly, it's fucking ridiculous. Like I don't know, they're the same kind of people that probably would put Chris Paul in because there's you know his team's the top of the league, even though he's averaging like thirteen points a game or something. Yeah. And when it comes to the actual awards, this is where I lose my mind. Is there's the peop- some of the people they have that actually pick this are pick the most ridiculous like you can find some of them on Twitter I've abused some of them on Twitter uh, for picking uh, Andre Drummond to be the defensive player of the year because he averaged the most rebounds yeah that makes fucking loads of sense yeah speaking of that remember the year LeBron should have been the first ever unanimous MVP and a New York journalist voted for Carmelo Anthony to win MVP That's that ridiculous. year because he hated LeBron Yeah, and LeBron ended up not making history because of that and the bad thing is, like, as much as it's sort of like, you know, it really does this matter, like, all that much, it actually does in terms of, because the same, like, there's voters that vote for, like, all NBA and stuff like that, and people, like, NBA players, I know they all make a ton of money anyway, but they have it in their contracts to get more or less money, you know, by winning certain awards or all that sort of thing, so it actually does have, like, ramifications for the players, but, yeah, some people just should have their vote taken off them, and yeah. given to us. Yeah, given to us, so we can vote for the people we've bet on. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so moving on to the next award then, and most improved player. What are your thoughts so far on the year? And, you know, just give me like a general scope before we dive in. Okay, so since this is the aftertime pod, I do have to tell you if I have an aftertime, and I do. You have a lot. I have a lot. I backed Jam Morant to win most improved player in November at sixes. Five to one, I think, was my highest odds. And he's now in the four to one on. So he's the strong favourite at the bookies. But this is an interesting award where I find the biggest chasm between the odds and the sentiment on Twitter, on Reddit, watching the games on TV. Jan Morant's odds would have you think he's ran away with it, but there's so little buzz about him winning the award. Anytime you you look and see the word MIP, you see most improved, nobody's talking about Ja. I mean, he's actively saying that another player on his team should win it. Like yeah. He has came out and said Desmond Bain should win it. Side note, off the stats, Desmond Bain should win it, but... Maybe we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But overall, Jamaran should win, based on the fact that MIP is usually uh, congratulations on your first All Star award, and this is Jazz's first All Star. It's usually won by players who are making a jump from good player to star. Now I can hear the I can understand the argument that Jazz was already a great player, 
Maybe. I don't, he was. I, I don't think he was great. He was only averaging 19 points a game. The Grizzlies were... Yeah, in a sophomore year. Yeah, but regardless of that, if you look through the previous MIP awards, seven of the last 11 winners were first-time All-Stars. So he fits the bill that way. Like I said, congrats on your first All-Star award. It's given to a player who's jumping from good player to star player. Ja has made a jump from... If you want to call him good, we want to call him great last year. He's made a jump to superstar he's not just a star yeah, he's all-star starter all-star starter so he's not only his first all-star he's going to be a starter which is ridiculous ridiculous i mean you only have two guards in each team yeah. so there's i mean he's improved all-star starters he's improved guards. so much that he is now the fifth favorite for mvp for mvp so this yeah. is this is the problem with mip that i find this year forgetting the odds just looking at the narrative in the media yeah you, you get people coming out and saying ja is too good to win mip ja is in the mvp race not the mip race like you said, Ja himself saying he shouldn't win MIP because yeah, you never want to. you never want the person you bet on to literally come no. out and publicly state he doesn't want to win the award or he doesn't think he should. Exactly. So there's a like I said, there's a there's a sentiment that the MIP is beneath him, which is ridiculous because he fits the profile of an MIP winner for me anyway. True, and the the argument that you know, well, he needs some sort of award as recognition. Some people would probably say, well, he's an All Star starter. You know, he'd rather have that than the most improved player award. And he will be All NBA. Yeah, he'd be an all Second team at least, maybe first maybe team. Maybe first team. Yeah. So I can see why some people are hesitant. To, I wouldn't be back in chat 4-1 on. No, no, no way. Jesus, no. So what I have done, I have had a bet on this this week. Interesting. Yes, so I've covered Jab. You didn't tell me. I know, sorry. I don't tell you everything. <laughs> so I was kind of falling into that narrative a bit. You know, I can understand why some people might not want to vote for him. So then I looked at the market and I'm looking at the other players in the... Miles Bridges seven to one, Darius Garland ten to one, Dejounte Murray sixteen to one, Anthony Simons twenty eight to one. Did a bit of looking into it, and I think I found Desmond Bain forty one to one. Desmond Bain is forty to one. I didn't really look into him. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on Desmond Bain, but I have a take. I think Dejounte Murray should be the second favorite here by quite a bit, and I think Darius Garland should be nowhere near this award. He's ten to one third favorite. Murray. 16 to 1 fourth favourite there's no argument whatsoever for Garland to be shorter than Murray but the only argument that can be made for Garland which isn't a good one is it's a team success thing yeah you know and the whole point is like the, the only different sorry if you were to compare the two which I'm sure you're going to stats wise now if you were to compare the two just based on their teams and the narrative and the, the hype around like you know on media and stuff it's Darius Garland who's the young player leading this Cavs team to well him and Jared Allen really leading this Cavs team to potentially top four seed in the east so him being the focal point of that or one of the focal points is kind of his where people are seeing his most improved it's like a it's a real surface level sort of look at garland so um the team's been amazing but stats wise you know, has he improved that much no no and uh, his stats have barely changed advanced stats he's got better the same advanced stats we mentioned earlier with Jokic, he has got better now he has improved as a player but his shots are up, his minutes are up, and his points are kind of his points are up, but they're following his shots and his minutes. Yeah, he hasn't really improved in the sense that the players who win this award usually have quite a big points per game improvement. You know, they're quite eye catching. They usually jump from say eight points a game to eighteen. You yeah, know, they that, add quite yeah. a lot of points. That per is game. the kind of would be the number one generally yeah. indicator. Now, Garland has improved his points per game, but only by two, and. He's a first-time All-Star. Like I said, it's usually a congrats on your first-time All-Star award, but so is DeJounte Murray. So, yeah, firstly, we've got to rule out Darius Garland. Murray has improved in all the same areas Garland has, except by more, with less. So Murray hasn't increased his minutes this year, but less so than Garland. And Murray's increased his... He's increased his assists per game by four assists per game. He's averaging nine assists per game. He's increased his points per game more than Garland all of his advanced stats are increased more than Garland there's just no argument whatsoever for Garland to be shorter than Murray so ruling out Garland we can move on to Bridges because Miles Bridges is the second favourite he actually was the favourite for quite a while when Jamarant got injured in December and he's had a he's had a really good season you know he's really improved but when you dive into the stats it's more so he's just playing a lot more minutes and taking so a lot more shots. many minutes. He plays more minutes than anyone I've he's ever seen. He's played the most minutes in the league. It, it's ridiculous. So we, we have a running joke because we bet on Jamarant that, you know, we're obviously opposed to anything good happening to Bridges. So when you wake up and you check the scores from the night before, it's always fun seeing that the Hornets have went to double overtime and Miles Bridges have played 50 minutes. And you're just, he just, he, he plays far more than anyone else. Yeah, so the thing about MIP is 
you have to see who improves the most with the least amount of minutes and shots increases because that is actually more of a measure of improvement. Yeah, like so, if, your, if your field goal percentage is the same, you just shoot 20 more shots, your points are going to go up, but it doesn't mean you got any better. Yeah, like Miles Bridges is shooting worse this year. His field goal percentage this year is down. Yeah. He, last year he shot 50%, this year he's shooting 48. He's just playing seven more minutes per game and taking six more shots per game. Murray is only playing two more minutes per game and taking three more shots. Yeah. So Murray is improving more with less. Yeah, yeah. I get and it. advanced stats-wise, there's no debate whatsoever. Bridges' advanced stats have barely changed from last year, whereas Dejounte Murray's advanced stats on a bad team have really improved. So looking at box plus minus, last year Murray's box plus minus was not 0.8. This year it's 5.2. So <sighs> it's really improved. And to compare that to Miles Bridges, last year Miles Bridges' box plus minus was not 0.2. This year it's 1. So yeah. he's barely improved. He's just playing more minutes and taking more shots. Dejounte Murray is, oh God, you're convincing me now. He has made a leap and on both ends too. Yeah, defensively, he is arguably top three defensive guard in the NBA behind Drew Holiday and Chris Paul. That's a bold take. I can't think of anyone else who I would have. Marcus Smart? Yeah, yeah, you'd have Marcus Smart ahead of him. Maybe, maybe not. Dejounte Murray defensively, his defensive advanced, advanced stats are good. Now, defensively, advanced stats are kind of hard. Defense, defense is kind of hard to quantify it using advanced stats, but... Yeah, it's a lot more of a qualitative sort of... Yeah, but he passes the eye test. He's big, he's strong, he keeps his man in front of him. He's playing on a really bad team and his stats are popping out. Yeah. Okay, let's just talk about Desmond Bain for a second because you blew me off earlier and I'm not happy about it. Right? <laughs> okay, so... So, here's the thing. There is one big thing going against Desmond Bain, which is he's a second-year player. And second-year players historically very, very rarely win most improved player. In fact, it hasn't been since Monte Ellis in 2006-2007 season won most improved as a second-year player. And before that, the kind of, you know, this generation person who won it was Gilbert Arenas in 02-03. So it doesn't happen all that often. But you're looking at Jamarant's 1.2, he's the favourite. And he has publicly said, like we mentioned already, that Desmond Bain, who's on his team, should win it. So if you plot out points per game increase for this year versus last year uh, against minutes Desmond Bain is far and away the leader in the league he's made the biggest jump he is currently one of the I'd say second or third most um, you know impactful player on a team that are currently third in the west with a record of 41 and 19 you know Jamarant is the star obviously but I mean Desmond Bain like, and he's the one you mentioned earlier as well about uh, narrative and who's talking about who Jamarant's getting no chatter Desmond Bain's getting a lot of chatter I know he's second year again and it's, it is counting against him but it's something to keep an eye on do you know and if the, the fact is he's probably not going to come in any shorter so if he hangs around at 41 to 1 when it gets closer to the time and the award voters start publicly announcing who they're on definitely something to keep an eye on I mean it, like you said the odds are so high that it's probably worth a small bet I understand I understand that but me personally I've staked Dejounte Murray I think Murray fits most of the usual criteria for most improved with the first time All-Star, it's his fifth or sixth season. He missed a season because he did his ACL, but the second year player thing will really hurt Desmond Bain, I think. And Anthony Simons too, just a quick touch on him. I have actually backed him as well with a very small bet. He plays for the Trailblazers. He's taken CJ McCollum's minutes after he got traded. Damian Lillard's not coming back this year. Simons is putting up a lot of shots. He's getting a lot more minutes. And his stats-wise, the numbers that voters tend to look at are increasing. So I think he's a nice price, but my main bet would be Dejounte Murray. I think he he takes all the boxes for me. I think he's he's a decent bet. If you subscribe to the idea that Jam Morant is too good to win MIP, I would advise a small bet on Dejounte Murray to win. Yeah, and regarding Anthony Simons, like I would see him as one of those players that just is more shots, more minutes. But um, he's got a good narrative. You know the whole the whole sort of tornado around Portland, basically blowing up their team. Um, and they're currently playing without their best player and he's just jumped right into that spotlight and there is a spotlight on Portland you know for the size of team they are they, you know people talk about them a lot you know he's in the he's in the limelight a lot and Anthony Simon seems to be stepping in and doing quite well I mean he's his play over the last couple of weeks in fact his play in 2022 is making them look more like a play-in team than a lottery team True. and I would have thought Portland would have been trying to tank for a high draft pick but I mean it looks like they could get into the play-in yeah, they're just sort of shifting. They're they're not really doing the traditional blow up and you know well it's because they still have Dame. You know if you if you're blowing up that way you technically don't do it when you still have the star right. So they're kind of semi blowing up, semi going sideways. Not a full tank. You know but, because Simons is playing so well. Yeah, and they like and Nurkic is playing a bit better. And you, you know, know he's made the second most three pointers in the NBA in twenty twenty two. Simons, Anthony Simons, yeah, did not know that. He's averaging twenty three points a game in twenty twenty two. Now he's up 17 points per game on the year because he didn't really play in the first two months. But after the McCollum trade, 
he's getting more minutes he's getting more points yeah it's, he's an outside shot for a reason but I would recommend a, a small bet on him because he could go ham over the last 22 games or so yeah moving on then to defensive player of the year I want to start this one with a question Ryan yeah have you ever had your heart broken I have I have had my heart broken and it hurts it does, it does hurt it hurts a lot I've had my heart broken every day for the last two months watching Draymond Green's odds drift and drift and drift another after time the two McGarry brothers backed Draymond Green for defensive player of the year at 17 to 1 he looked like he was going to run away with it in early January over Christmas he was odds on and it was his award to lose I think the phrase we uttered to each other was the only thing that will stop this is an injury yeah and we did this thing that we are promise we're not going to do next year which is start to book hypothetical holidays with our uh, winnings so we booked a hypothetical golf holiday to michigan to michigan and that looks like it's not going to happen now because yeah no, no more no more holidays no more hypothetical holidays well the warriors released an update on draymond green so right now he's missed i think he's missed over 20 games already he's been out since the 9th of january and the warriors said draymond green who has missed the last 19 games due to a lower back disc injury is making good progress in his recovery slash rehab and it's anticipated he will return to play at some point after the all-star break he has recently progressed to doing some light on-court activity and will continue to increase his workload moving forward the next update will be provided when he returns to practice on a date to be determined yes. so what does that say to you so there's two people in my brain right now and the optimist is saying good progress and sometime after the all-star break is great progress and the first game after the all-star break and the pessimist in me is saying good progress means he's fucked and he isn't even going to be there for the playoffs and some point after the all-star break could be can we throw him on the court in the first or second round if we're down you know a couple of like two matches down two yeah i think it's the type of injury they really don't want to fuck about with it's no it's from what we heard back injuries from what we heard he was playing a scrimmage when clay thompson was ready to come back what i read online was he was really excited for clay to come back he was flying around the court and that night he felt a pain in his calf didn't know what it was thought it was a calf strain got his calf MRI got the scans done there was nothing wrong with his calf and then obviously they figured out that it was a bulging disc in his spine mm-hmm. was causing nerve issues and pain in his calf which is obviously something you don't want to mess about with so they're being really cautious but the annoying thing is Draymond Green really wants to win defensive player of the year he, he said he, as much himself he, yeah he not only has he come out and stated so he's the opposite of Jam Rand, he's come out and actually stated that he he thinks he is which is the best defender in the league and he thinks he should win the award but he's also slandering the other favourites for the award yeah. in Rudy Gobert who he seems to have a hatred for and a lot of people in the NBA do um, So, but when we get on to Gobert uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that because we sadly do have to talk about Rudy Gobert yeah god he's one of the least likeable players in the NBA if not the least likeable by far yeah 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 well before we get into that um, I do want to I think before we jump into games played and stuff which is going to have a big bearing on this award we should push that to the side and actually just talk about defensive player of the year how how does this award get approached by people like us first of all and then voters because defense like we've mentioned is a lot more of a qualitative aspect of basketball as opposed to a quantitative right so there are defensive stats and defensive advanced stats where they're notoriously kind of awkward and they're fickle know, they're tricky they're, yeah so they don't they don't you know they'll point towards random players to be like you know if you just plotted that as the that's means you're a good defensive player it, you know it wouldn't be Draymond Green or, or Gobert up there so generally Draymond like how do you quantify Draymond like he is the commander of the best defense in the league so he is like the a quarterback isn't a real analogy, right? But he's like the, the defensive version of a quarterback where he's just pu- he's pushing everyone around. He's telling you can see everyone him. Where he to pushes go. his own players. He literally physically moves players to where they should be. He's barking orders at everyone. Um, he's calling switches before they happen, calling plays. He's like, he literally is like the, the army general of the of the Warriors. And he's, you know, he, this isn't like a, an unknown thing. You know, people know that he is arguably the best defensive basketball mind of our generation. Easily, and I heard Brian Scalabrini on Zach Lowe's podcast talking about this. He was with the Warriors in 2014, the year before they won the title, before they discovered Draymond Green at the five. And Scalabrini said in practice he could see just how special Draymond was on defense. He was doing things he'd never seen before. And Scalabrini had played with Kevin Garnett at the Celtics team that won the title. You know, so he's seen some good defensive players, and he just said Draymond Green is just a different level altogether from from the top guys he is just special yeah I mean you know he's special when he when you watch him literally stopping 3v1 fast breaks by himself and like yeah like you know and he's only 6 foot 7 he, he's not the big like not the biggest player you know and he's playing 
playing this off sort of role as the center for the you know the four or five hybrid sometimes and he's just he's incredible like you can't really you honestly can't hype him up enough for how good of a defender he is and how smart he is as opposed to you know yeah he's not just this massive seven foot plus guy blocking everyone but you know like Rudy Gobert but it, you just have to look deeper than that and again it's, it's eye test stuff when you actually just watch a full Warriors game with him on the court and without him it's it's just massive the difference and he has no weaknesses on defense he can switch one through five, which is the big the big knock on Rudy Gobert. Obviously, is that when he switches on to a wing or a guard and has to guard at three point nine, he can get stuck in the mud. Yeah, which we saw last week when the Jazz lost to the Lakers. LeBron James played the center position, and they went at Gobert every smoked possession him. down down the clutch. Yeah, smoked him. So I mean, yeah, we should talk about Gobert, right? So give him his dues, right? Gobert is an incredible rim defender. Um, he has been the sort of linchpin to the Jazz's defence, which was up there in the last few years as one of the best defences in the league. Well, yeah, I mean, the Jazz this season with Gobert on the court have the 8th best defence in the league. With Gobert off the court, they have the 29th, which is the second worst. Yeah, so Gobert is incredible. He is their hub. He's their version of Draymond in a different way. They're just, I mean, in the terms of he's their best defender, but he's the rim protector the stifled tower stands under the rim, blocks everyone. Do you know when he is a really uh, he is great at what he does, and he is amazing. He, I mean, he's what three time defensive player of the year already, and he gets a bit of I think unfair abuse for um their struggles in the playoffs defensively because do you know the whole thing was right last year and the Clippers beat them in the playoffs when they went small and everyone was like oh the Jazz can't deal with a, you know a small ball a small five uh, lineup like the Clippers rolled out against them but the issue wasn't that Gobert couldn't keep up with like a more nimble five the issue was the Jazz's perimeter players aren't that great they can't play defense so they can't keep people in front of them so what happens is you have a you know the likes of Mike Conley or uh, Donovan Mitchell getting beat by their attacker and Gobert has to step up and then he you know that puts him into problems with like pick and rolls or just people like handoffs so it's not really Gobert's problem and a bit of an aside but the Jazz tried to fix this by bringing in Rudy Gay, but that doesn't really fix the problem because, yeah, he's a smaller centre. He can play as that small ball five himself. But what happens whenever Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley still get blown by and now you don't have the one of the best, if not the best, rim protector in the league? You have Rudy Gay, who's not as good as well, we, Rudy we, Gobert. We saw what happened in the games Gobert missed. They had yeah. the second worst defence in the league. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair. You know, so, so, so exactly, to yeah, point, so yeah. They give, they give him his dues and they just compare that. Gobert is incredible and he should rightfully be up there for one of the favourites. Funny enough, it's just I just love how much abuse he gets and how hated he is by the league. He doesn't help himself, uh, you know, things like as as the COVID outbreak first happened, he was uh, caught on camera touching all the microphones, like thinking it was really funny because everyone was freaking out about this new pandemic and then he got COVID. So yeah, he really shot himself in the foot there. And like we said about Draymond Green called him out, I mean, maybe unfairly called him out for crying about not getting a, an all-star one year and he just seems the, I don't know if it's like the European-American thing, but he seems the not be everyone's favourite player so yeah and I know we did say about defensive advanced stats maybe not given the best picture but there are some out there and 538.com have an advanced stat called Raptor which is basically a measurement that rates players and they have a defensive Raptor which rates them defensively and they have Rudy Gobert as the best defender in the league at 6.6 and then funny enough they have Jokic second best defender in the league at 5.8 and then Matisse Thybulle from the Sixers at third best at 4.1 so they do have Rudy Gobert quite far ahead of the rest of the league Draymond Green is fourth for what it's worth and Giannis this year interestingly enough he's the third favourite for defensive player of the year the advanced stats don't love him on in terms of but again that's where yeah, you just have to kind of push back at them Like, a, and as someone that does use stats to inform our bets and we you know I'm not by any means one of those anti-math people like I understand where and when it should be used like just watch them just watch the books and Giannis is up there he is a defensive player of the year candidate and he should be even if they advance that and think it I'll go against him in that sense and say he's like you said he can defend basically one through five two through five do you know he, he can keep up with with uh, most point guards in the league as well if he needs to and he's just so long he can catch them if they get past them but one through five defense. He blocks more alley oops than I've ever seen anyone else do. He's just his effort levels, like in that game against the Sixers, was a highlight. Like regular season game, I know it does mean a lot, but just diving for balls going out of bounds. He's just he's incredible. Like, and he's probably the best off ball defender in the league. Yeah, which is what it's what he's good at. You know, he plays that sweeper role. He doesn't guard the other team's best player. He sits waiting for someone to get beat, and then good luck at the rim if Giannis is coming over to protect it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think. 
he's maybe suffering a wee bit from them missing Brook Lopez. Obviously, this is an individual award, but the one-two of him, well, the four-five of him and Brook Lopez defensively, um, was was amazing. The Bucks were one of the best defenses in the league the last couple of years as well because they had Lopez as the uh, rim protector and Giannis just playing off him, just just chasing everyone around. And obviously, again, it's an individual award, but team defensive rating comes into it whenever uh, voters are picking who they want to, you know, who they're going to vote for. So. Uh, I think Giannis is suffering a wee bit from missing out in Brook Lopez. They've been playing Bobby Portis a lot at the five, and he's just not the same. Yeah, I agree with you there. Do you think there's any value in the odds? No, I, I, I mean, I, you might, you might disagree, but looking at it, this is where I suppose the main issue comes into into view is how many games are they all going to play by the end of the year? So, if a player doesn't play enough games, voters will just discount them because it's just seen as you know you didn't actually contribute enough to in order to qualify for the award. So a notorious one we were impacted by was Embiid's rookie season. Malcolm Brogdon ended up winning. Embiid only played 35, 35 games. games. Like, that's not a lot of games. In like a, and he still should have won. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he was. But So at the minute, games played isn't looking great for Draymond. He's missed a lot. And he like that update, you, the Warriors injury update you just mentioned, he's going to miss a few more. I think Draymond might be lucky to play 45 games. It looks like Gobert is going to play about 65 and Giannis is going to play about 70. Yeah, so at that level, if you were to hypothetically, so this is what you have to do, if you're looking at the odds right now, Gobert 2.7 favourite, Draymond Green second favourite 3.1, Giannis third favourite of fives, and you look at hypothetically how many matches they're going to play, it's not looking great for Draymond, which is sad because again, we we had both had bets on him and we were really looking forward to Michigan, but it looks like probably going to be Gobert. I agree, I think Gobert is going to win. I think... I don't know if he's value. I don't know if I'd have a bet on him. But for someone who's on Draymond Green already, I have had a small bet on Gobert to cover my Draymond Green bet. I think, yeah, I think just the on-off stats with the Jazz defense says it all about Gobert. His impact on defense is, you know, they turn, they're they the 29th, the second worst defense in the league without him, and they're the eighth best with him. I think that says a lot. With, and you have to remember how many bad defensive players the Jazz have. You know, so when Gobert steps into that lineup, they're the eighth best defense when he's surrounded by shite defenders. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's what him and Royce O'Neill. I like. Yeah. I like. Yeah. Yeah, like they used to use Joe Ingles to guard uh, PG in the playoffs against the Clippers, and you know, he he, he was their kind of wing defender, and like even then, that's like an yeah, that's, old Australian type guy. Like you that's know, tough. it's like he it wasn't the worst, but the, yeah, he Gobert is surrounded by a lot worse. Yeah, I think I think from here I wouldn't begrudge anyone betting on Gobert to win. I think I think it's his to lose, just given the sad Draymond Green injury situation. I think it's obvious what the Warriors are trying to do here. They're just trying to get Draymond back for the playoffs now. Maybe get him back with ten games left. He'll finish on forty five games. It's not enough to win it. The small sort of ray of light hope that we you could hope for is that him coming out Draymond publicly stating that he wants to win the award so if he you know I don't know he's obviously smart enough to know that the championship is so much more important so more important for him to rest but if there's any sort of burning desire in him to beat Gobert to win defensive player of the year because I don't know if he's going to have many more opportunities to he's getting older I think you know that might lean towards him coming back a bit early or you know trying to anyway okay let's just talk about rookie of the year really quick here Ryan have you got any thoughts yeah, so I mean, we can probably breeze over this one because it, out of them all, it looks like the most cut and dry, apart from Sick Man, what we've talked about last week. Evan Mobley, clear favourite. He is currently 1.2, and second favourite being Kay Cunningham at 9.5, Scotty Barnes at 10s, Josh Giddy at 13s, Franz Wagner at 21s, and Iota Summe at 51s. So you don't really need to worry about the last couple, but Mobley, do you know where, where to even start? He looks like a third, fourth, fifth year player. He looks like he's been in the league for ages. He's just so comfortable. He's one of the best defensive players in the league already. Um, offensively, he, he's, he's getting there. He's, he's working it out. Do you know, it's not like the Cavs are the greatest offensive team anyway. So he's going to improve. But total package, Mobley just blows the rest of the rookies out of the, out of the water. I don't even think you need to dive too much into it. Narrative-wise, he's the only player that journalists are talking about. Everyone basically has him cemented. So he actually probably should be shorter than 1.2. Not going to bet on it. But already have bet on it, higher odds. There's my after dive. But yeah, so he's incredible. Do have to give a quick shout-out to Josh Giddy, who's quickly become my second favourite rookie of uh, this draft class. Incredible draft class all round. Kay Cunningham came on leaps and bounds from a terrible start. People were comparing him to Anthony Bennett so fast, but he, he has been great. Scotty Barnes is good. He was my worry that he was going to rival 
Evan Mobley, but he suffered a bit from Siakam coming back and taking some shots off him. But yeah, Josh Giddey, don't think he's going to win it, but the fact that he just broke an Oscar Robertson triple-double record for um, youngest player to have three triple-doubles, uh, youngest player to have a triple-double right uh, in the NBA, and youngest player to get three as well. He's just fun to watch. He plays on a dog team. The Thunder are awful, but he, you know, he's a great player to watch. Yeah, totally agree there. Mobley has completely run away with it, even if there was to be Touchwood an injury. Now, I still think Mobley would win. I think he's been far and away the best rookie. He, like you said, looks like a top five defensive player in the league already. He looks like a five-year veteran. Looks like could be an all-star. Agree with about Josh Giddy. I think he probably should be second favorite. Yeah, I given mean, if the you records were, and yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would probably slide him in just ahead of Cade. But yeah, if you if you fancy an outsider, maybe Josh Giddy would be the pick. But I wouldn't bet on anything here. No, I, think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on anything. Sometimes you're better off holding fire. I don't think there's any bet to be had here. Mobley's going to run away with it. Finally, then. Let's move on to Ryan's favourite weekend, All-Star weekend. What have you got for us, Ryan? Yeah, so Ronan's a Grinch and he doesn't enjoy the All-Star, but I personally, yeah, think it's fun. I don't stay up for it because, again, European hours, um, you know, who, who could do that? I'm too old now and to get too tired, but I love watching the highlights and they have changed a few things around this year in terms of um, the events. So, you know, uh, and from now on for, for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to refer to the events with their full titles, such as the 2022 Taco Bell Skills Challenge, which I think is great. Typical Americans have to fucking sponsor everything. Like, um, But the Mountain Dew three-point contest is the only one out of, well, that on the All-Star game, I think we're, where I'll actually have a bet. So at the minute, this is what I find really interesting. The odds do not reflect the three point percentage of that player this year. So if you look, there is your your contestants, right? Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young, Patty Mills, Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain, Zach Levine, CJ McCollum, and Carl Anthony Towns. Currently, Trey Young is the favourite and he has the worst three point percentage out of everyone. So I find that interesting. And the player with the best three point percentage out of those is Luke Kennard, my man Luke Nukem. And uh, I love him. I, I'm quickly becoming a Clippers fanboy. I'm going to have to start getting some Clippers uh, gear. But he is currently seventh, so six to one on Luke Kennard to win. And he is shooting 45% from three this year. So he's the best out of everyone. He's, he's shooting incredibly on, I think it's seven attempts per game. So he's a great three point shooter. But yeah, if you actually go into Skybet, um, this isn't sponsored by the way, but it's just. There's not a lot of odds flying around in the UK for All-Star uh, stuff. So if you go on to Skybet, they have a, a nice sort of setup where you can bet on a winner, someone to reach the final three or someone to be eliminated in the first round. I actually think there's value. Luke Kennard to reach the final three is 2.4. Paddy Mills, who I'm almost certain, yeah, the second best three-point shooter to that group is 2.4 as well. And they're both 6-1 to one to win. So, you know, some sort of hedging strategy there. You could probably end up, uh, I think, making money because I think it could be one of those two. Me, personally, I'm going to have some money on Luke Kennard. I'm going to have money on the uh, reach the final three. And the final one, Sky, or Skybet, also offered on the 2022 Mountain Dew three-point contest. Uh, shock first-round exit for Trey Young to have the lowest total points in the first round, which wouldn't be much of a shock because he's the worst three-point shooter out of the group. So, yeah, that's that. For the dunk contest, similar thing. It's a bit of a crapshoot. Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, Cole Anthony and JTA from the Warriors. Gun to my head, I'm picking Obi Toppin just because I like him and he can jump so high. He's so athletic. He's so athletic and I'm pretty sure he did a through the legs dunk in the league this year in a regular season game. So enjoyed that. So yeah, I'd add him to my picks, Obi Toppin. Uh, yeah, and finally on to the All-Star game, which you don't care about, but it's hence why I'm the only one talking here. The All-Star game, Team LeBron is 1.4's favourite and Team Durant is 3's. So... All-Star game, for anyone who hasn't watched, has changed recently, so they've added this Elam ending, which is kind of, basically, they play three quarters, and then they take the points differential from the end of those three quarters, and they create a points total that the teams have to race towards, so it's the first team to reach a certain amount of points. It's actually made the All-Star game a lot more entertaining. I think you might even agree. I I couldn't say. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So, that, and I haven't actually seen this year if they've mentioned it yet, but last year the, each team was playing for a certain charity. So, if you won the game, you would win a certain amount of money that would go towards that charity. So, it gives the players a bit more impetus to actually try because sometimes I, I, I'm with you on the All Star game, could, was born at points because, yeah, there was alley oops and stuff, but just people weren't playing defense, people are scared of getting injured. Uh, last year was a lot more fun. Giannis won MVP last year because he's just such a tryhard, and which I love about him. Like he just he, he takes that ring so seriously, which is hence why last week I picked Team LeBron on the minus handicap to win, just because they had Giannis, and I think he's gonna try hard this year. I mean, they also do have Curry, DeRozan, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic are their starting five, which is just ridiculous. Oof. And 
Team Durant, there's Trey Young, Jam Morant, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, and Joe Embiid. So, like, this is the thing. You can't just go, oh, they're better than them, they're going to win. It's the All-Star game people do fuck about. The thing that would scare me about Team Durant is they're younger. And I, I think they have more first-year All-Stars. So people who might take it a bit seriously. But as you often see in these games, some of these people literally might play three minutes. You know, five minutes. They, they won't play a lot. They could be holding an injury we don't really know about, you know. Yeah. Like Jimmy Butler doesn't like playing in the All-Star game, for example. He, yeah, he yeah. would play. They're more there just to see everyone in the league and have a fuck about and go for a drink and take a week off. They're, they're, some of them probably would rather not even be there. What about MVP for the All-Star game? Yeah, so funnily enough, just to add on to the Gobert uh, thing from earlier, when I was taking a look at the Skybet odds, I hadn't fully scrolled down in my browser and I noticed, or I thought I noticed, that Gobert was the only player not included in the, in the odds. So I thought the, the bookies had just went, oh fuck him, he's no chance he's winning, so they didn't, but he's actually just the, the least favourite at 126s. So Giannis and Jamarant are the current favourites tied at 7-1, to one, closely followed by Embiid at 7.5, LeBron at 8-1, to one, Curry at 9-1. to one. I mean, Giannis would be the obvious sort of one that jumps out again because he cares so much. But the only thing that I've got in my mind, which would make me hesitant about it, is he won it last year. He's won the championship last year. He's got that sort of monkey off his shoulder. So it's kind of like I think he's he still is a tryhard, but you might see a lot more of him sort of just easing into like the kind of the veteran roles. You know, he's been there now a few years. Um, he captained it last year too, so it was maybe more of a a reason for him to. Maybe time for one of the young guys to step up. Yeah, so you, you could see him deferring to people. Jamarant, do you know, honestly, is, is, is one that springs to mind. He kind of jumps off the page at 7-1. Uh, to one. He's so fun to watch. He's so athletic. He fits the bill for what an all-star MVP would be. Do you know, he's quick. He, he, he's like, exciting. He's flashy. Exciting. He throw, he'll throw alley-oops to other players. He'll have dunks on the fast break himself. He'll, he'll probably try. Yeah, he'll try his own alley-oops. Do you know, all that sort of stuff. So And he's a starter, so he'll get more minutes. Do you know what? If I was going to tip anything, I would say Jamarant. I'm not going to pick... Embiid, I'm not going to pick LeBron or Curry or Trey Young or yeah, DeRozan. Uh, yeah, I like that. I agree. I, I was thinking Jamarant when you were talking there, and hope was hoping that his odds were a bit longer, but I'm a bit sad to see that they already have him as the joint favorite. Yeah, but. I think the bookies sort of clocked on there, but uh, they weren't. They're a bit sharper there, and they were with a three point contest. I can't wait until Trey Young wins a three point contest, and I look at the fool. <laughs> but sure, this is Ben. Okay, that'll do us for All Star. Okay, so we'll move on to our final section and something we decided we're going to try and do at the end of every episode or every other episode is some gambling stories. So obviously over the years as being professional gamblers, myself and Ronan have found ourselves in some interesting situations like the one Ronan's going to talk about today. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so in 2018 I had, a, do you remember Redbet.com? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, lost their license I think last year. Yeah, yeah. So I used to use Redbet quite a lot and I got my Redbet account limited in maybe 2016. So for anyone who doesn't know, if you're a winning gambler or you win a few too many bets, usually bookies will shut down your account. They don't really want to take winning customers, understandable. So I lost that Redbet account in 2016. And then in 2018, I heard that Redbet had changed odds provider. Sometimes when a bookie changes odds provider, you can find that your account has been unlimited. It has happened before. So I decided- Yeah, to they changed their software. Yeah, so they changed their software. I logged into my Redbet account, tried to put a bet on, and realized that I'd been unlimited, so my stakes were much bigger and I was able to get bets on. I thought, great, so I'll put some money in the account, put a thousand pound in the account. And to be honest, I forgot about it because I had so many, so, <laughs> no, sorry, I had so many accounts going at the, at the time, I just completely forgot about it. And then one day, a couple of months later, I decided out of the blue to log in and just check the account. And I had left it on a thousand pound exactly because I'm quite per, uh, like, OCD. Yeah, I'm quite OCD about that. So. I left it on a thousand pounds exactly and when I logged in I noticed it was on like a thousand and thirty-five with like sixty-five P and I went, What's going on here? This, this set something me. off in your brain. Yeah, I was like your mm. animal brain. Yeah, so I, I checked my betting history and there'd been no bets placed, no sports bets placed. I went, That's strange, why's why's the count changed? So why's the the balance changed? So then I checked my transaction history and noticed that someone had deposited ten pounds with a debit card that I didn't recognise and I went, Oh, what's going on here? Not only was there a deposit, there was a pending withdrawal of £3,000. And I went, whoa, where does that come from? What is going on here? And then it started to twig me that, oh God, someone has been in my account. My account must have been hacked because this isn't me doing yeah. these deposits, doing these withdrawals. You didn't get blocked and yeah. No, I didn't get drunk and no, I didn't. Yeah. So then I decided to figure out where the £3,000 came from. There was nothing in my sports betting history. So I checked the casino and checked the casino transactions. And sure enough, there was blackjack, roulette, Someone had been using my £1,000 balance to play blackjack and play roulette and they'd won themselves £3,000. They're actually good, yeah. They were, I mean, they were a decent player. Yeah. They won themselves £3,000, 
deposited £10 using their own debit card to register the card on the account and then tried to withdraw the 3,000 winnings back to their debit card. And I went, holy fuck. What? So I shit myself. I started changing passwords everywhere. I was, I need to change all my passwords. I remember, I distinctly remember Ronan telling me about this when it happened and freaking out and changing passwords. He goes, this is a nightmare. It's going to take me all day. Now, these the thing passwords. was, it was a Saturday morning and we had, at the time, we were betting quite a lot on local football. So we were really busy on Saturdays. I didn't have much time. I was, everything was going 100 mile an hour. Changed all my passwords. Shit myself. Cancelled that pending withdrawal to like get on customer support and chat to them but I didn't have time so basically what I did was cancel the pending withdrawal changed all of my passwords and as it turns out changed all of my passwords except for my Redbet account <laughs> the one <laughs> fucking account I was supposed to change uh, I know I so know. all that stuff about us being busy on a Saturday was your justification for you yeah. being a fucking idiot my head was my head was, <laughs> up, my head was up my arse and I completely forgot to change the one account I should have changed so then we went out to the football that day went out drinking that night came back the next morning and I decided to check my Redbet account again and sure enough I logged in and seen that the checked the pending withdrawals seen that there was another pending withdrawal even though I'd cancelled it and I went oh fuck I forgot to change the Redbet password so I looked and there was a pending withdrawal for 3,500 and I went what the fuck it's more he won more money so the hacker had gone back in that night and won another 500 pound and I went oh my god I am so lucky uh, and when I went and checked his transaction history he'd actually gone on a bit of a losing streak he'd lost quite a bit and then just put a really big bet on and won it all back they had Martingale they had Martingale system and then he decided to cut his losses and be happy with three and a half thousand pound so I went oh my god I am a lucky boy cancelled that pen and withdrawal changed my password and then withdrew the £3,500 that he won me back to my bank account and went on a golf holiday to Spain. <laughs> Only fucking you could get hacked by a winning gambler. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. going to get hacked by anyone. Like, if I get hacked, it's going to be some fucking degenerate who just immediately loses my bankroll and then somehow deposits more with my card. Well, we have a another story along that similar vein from you next week but oh true okay I can't I can't I can't be all what was me I do have one story similar but yeah in general like Jesus who fucking who does that happen to yeah it's quite lucky but yeah I'll take it yeah but anyway right so uh, just to wrap up with uh, NBA talk and everything else is looking forward to the all-star game Ronan's not and I think he's looking more forward to NBA getting back after next yeah, week yeah NBA is back next Thursday so there's one week off and then it's the run into the playoffs hopefully we get some winning bets on divisions hopefully the players that we're backing for the awards have a big end of the season yeah again um, just to reiterate from the start uh, just appreciate everyone and all the support um, on all the social media so if you want to go and follow the Aftertime podcast on Twitter and on Instagram that's generally where we're going to be you'll find Ronan mostly probably on Twitter uh, spitting out hot takes that are often wrong and Instagram I'll probably be in charge of that and yeah we'll just try and keep everyone up to date and one more thing from some feedback from last week which was actually from my dad who uh, didn't appreciate some of the swearing so fuck you dad it's my podcast I can do it on <laughs> and like and subscribe on Spotify as well please yeah peace <laughs>